Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Philosophy Podcast. I am your host, Ashley Hayes, and I'm so excited because today's episode is Modern Philosophy, Cultivating a Creative Life and Bringing Your Slash Back. And I have invited one of my long-term friends, collaborators. You all already know him and don't even know that you know him. Um, Asia Sampson is a poet and spoken word artist, but Asia designed every single logo that you see from the modern philosophy logo to the Ashley Hayes logo to the philosophy media group. He has been my graphic designer, one of my creative collaborators for years. Um, let me give you Asia's formal bio. Asia Sampson is a writer, poet, and part-time ninja. He has been seen on HBO Deaf Poetry Jam and has shared the stage with, art- with artists such as Janelle Monet, Jill Scott, DMX, RIP, Most Deaf, Dead Prez, and KRS-One. Asia has worked with companies such as the U.S. military, Nokia, Disney, to write Love on Her Arms and A Evolve. Asia has broken college booking records for the most booked poetry act in the college market, garnering the awards of ABCA College Performer of the Year and three times ABCA Spoken Word Artist of the Year. So without further ado, please welcome for the first time to the Modern Philosophy Podcast, which I can't believe, Asia Samson. Asia, it's good to have you <laughs> Hey, Ash. You know, we're like, good, oh, we're family, man. Like, it's so weird to have family read your bio because it's like, you make it sound big, but then off the podcast, you're like, yeah, you just Asia. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Right? I thought anybody, I'd be like, he aight. He's aight. <laughs> but Asia, so give my audience a little background. For those who don't know you, where are you from? Um, I know that you are like from Cali and then also from Florida. And you got started with art younger, but you didn't start in poetry. So tell me a little bit about that and how you ended up in poetry. So um, originally, I'm from my mother's womb. Uh, but I was only there for like nine months. Uh, she kicked me out. <laughs> same. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all from that kind of same spot. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I was born in the Philippines, uh, moved to California, I think in 84. Or so I was like six, seven years old at the time. Uh, pretty much grew up in California until I was 18. Was getting in the, Then my parents got divorced. And I don't know what it was, but like I used to get like high grades. Uh, freshman year, I was like freshman class president. But by junior year, I was just skipping school. And people used to make jokes. Hmm. They're like, they're like, you know, Asia is like a, um, went from freshman class president to junior class no show, right? Like I was just, no, (laughs) like I would just not show up. And then, um, you know, and so my father had moved to Florida at that time. And so he was like, you're moving here because if you don't move here, you're just going to continue down this path. And I don't want that. So I moved to Florida away from everyone, didn't know anyone. Um, you know, but then I was able to get my life kind of back on track, if if you will. Um, but as far as poetry and art, it's always been in my life. Um, second grade, when I'd first moved to the uh, from the Philippines, I was at my school book fair, um, discovered Shel Silverstein's uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends. And um, yeah, that was my first intro into poetry. And I wasn't even drawn for it because of the poetry. I was drawn to it because of the illustrations. Right. Like I was mm-hmm. I'd love to draw. And so I bought it, um, started reading it and then, you know, found a lot of entertainment behind his work. Um, and then somewhere in junior high, I remember liking this girl and 
you know, a lot of, a lot of girls kind of like just passed me because I was like this Asian kid with a bowl haircut type of situation. Uh, skinny. I want to see this haircut, by the way. <laughs> it's there somewhere. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 matter of fact, while I do that, uh, yeah, so as I'm doing that, so as I'm, you know, I, I, so I was like, well, how can I get this girl's attention? And so I wrote her a poem. And for some reason or the other, it went really well. Like she, um, she started, she would giggle when she saw me, like, you know what I mean? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, there's, there's something here, you know? And so I started writing poetry and uh, I never thought about performing it. And then I moved to Florida, as I said, and I was invited to an open mic at a college, performed there, got hooked. Um, And then after I got hooked on that, started going every month. That led me to other open mic venues. And that's where I met um, mine and your manager, Michael Pavlov. Um, Yeah, what up, Pav? Yeah, man. Um, I fire him every day. I'm sure you do, too. but every other day. Yeah. If he's hearing this now, you're fired. Um, <laughs> and he was like, you know, no, it's funny because he came up to me and he said, hey, come come to this college conference thing. And uh, I was like, uh, OK. And then it, I was like, I just don't have the money or whatever. And he's like, I'll front it. Uh, you know, I just really want you to try it out. And then like a couple of weeks later, I was diagnosed with cancer. And mm. so, yeah. And so I was like, uh, I don't think you I'll be able to go. Um to this, to this uh, conference. He's like, no, it's not for another couple months. And at the time um, he was like, well, get better. And then he actually helped me with a lot of my fundraisers at the time. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, this guy's legit. Cause a lot of times people will offer you things and tell you you're going to blow up or whatever. And you know, it's, it's, and then they don't do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, um, yeah. So I didn't listen to him. And then then he started helping me out with all these conferences, these, uh, these features that I was having to raise money for my, for my cancer. And a couple months later, I went with him to a college conference and it was right around the time I just got done doing HBO. And, um, I just like, I, we were so, I mean, and you know, the college market, you'll be sitting at the booth, right. And waiting for uh, kids to come to the booth to meet you. Like, you know, you've, you've been there. Well, my very first conference, Ash, there was a line that went all the way down the the aisle of all the booths. <laughs> and other agents had to come over to help fill out forms. Like that's, wow. yeah, it was that heavy. And after that, it just, we just continued to tour together. And I looked over at Mike and Mike just looked at me like, like he was about to cry or something because he just saw something amazing that he had never seen before. And we've been rolling together ever since. Wow. And and so even prior to poetry, though, you have a background in graffiti, right? So, yeah. So, um, you know, my parents, uh, my mom was the interior designer. My dad was an architect. And so art was always in my life. And yeah, you did ask, um, how did I get into before poetry? Um, So I've always been into arts. I've always painted. I've always drawn. That was always my thing. And so when I graduated high school, I went to Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale, learned how to do graphic design. So that was always my my bread and butter. And it was until poetry became full time. Um, So I still have it in me. I just don't like to take on design jobs anymore just Mm -hmm. because... Like a lot of times clients will eat the creativity out of you because they think they know it's better for their brand, right? Mm. Um, and they're not very collaborative. They're more like, well, can you do that? And I'm like, well, if you need somebody that just knows how to work the programs, then don't come to me, right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's kind of like someone coming to you and say, hey, you know, we already wrote the poem. We just need you to read it. And you're just kind of like, well, you can get anybody to do that. Right. Um, right. Exactly. So uh, I just I just don't t- I just, you know, but that's always been my blood. So the good thing about it is when I went to poetry, I was able to take everything that I knew from design also and brand myself as a product. Um, a mm. lot, that's the thing that a lot of people uh, miss when it comes to trying to do poetry for a living is that at the end of the day, you are a product, you are, you're selling yourself and you have to look like a legit product. So when you started coming to me about design and stuff, and I knew that me and you collaborate really well on stuff, I'm like, I'll design for you, you know, because I know that I'm not going to get that type of thing that I get from like regular clients. And you and I have created some, like, I'll put some stuff out. And I know like sometimes like, all right, I thought it was dope. And then you'll be like, eh, and then you're like, well, you know, I was thinking more like this. And then I'll flip something else. And then you're like, oh, my God, yes, that's it. You know, and so we collab really well on it, you know. And I think that everything that I've so far produced for you, I think I've been proud of. So I'm glad for that. Yeah, me too. And I, I like working with you because of the ease that we have. We're both Aquariuses, and I think that helps. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I never feel like I have to like overly explain. I feel like I send you like an idea and three things and you're like, I'll get to it next week. Then in a few hours, you'd be like, ah, so I went ahead and. Yeah, be- yeah. <laughs> because it's there. Like it, you'll tell me the idea. And then that's the thing. Like I, I can always see five steps ahead. So sometimes I'd be like, all right, g- give it to me. And then I'll get to it like next week. Um, I'm just going to do a couple of things. But then you say something. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, that's dope. And then they'll start brewing. And I'm like, well, you better get this out now before you forget it. And then I'll, I'll whip, whip it up, show it to you. And then you, you know, you get all amped up and it, it looks good. So, yeah, you know, when, when creativity hits you, man, you, you got you to gotta grab hold of those reins, you know. And so sometimes, yeah, I'm fa- and that's the thing I pride myself in, too, is that I'm fast when it comes to design. And not because I'm rushing. It's just because I, the design environment that I grew up in, which I left, was mm-hmm. um the club industry so we would mm-hmm. we so would yeah so we would need to like they'll be like oh we just booked this new dj for tonight we need a flyer right now and wherever i am it didn't matter i would have to like there were times where i've told like we, i'd be on a road trip with jess and i told you know my clients i'm not going to be around and then some emergency thing happens with the club that i'm literally pulling into a rest area and designing and then looking for yeah. wi-fi you know like this is insane that I'm, you know, that's why I hated it. I'm like, I don't, I don't like this life, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, check your uh, text message, by the way. Oh God. I bet you there's a picture of this bowl cut. <laughs> My text messages. I'm going to post it with the podcast. You should post episode. it. I am. I am going to do that. But Asia, you gave a good, a, you made a good point that I kind of want to go back to. So when you made the transition to being a full-time creative, you had the knowledge to understand how branding worked. And so that's where able to brand yourself. And I just kind of saw your model. I literally, I like went and looked at your webpage and I was like, this guy's pretty put together. His video's good. Um, I can easily find him on the internet. His website's good. Like, I think I asked you to do like my website first or something. Yeah. And then we ended up into just like long-term design. What would you, what advice would you give someone who's like, I want to start a creative business and I don't know where I need to prioritize spending or I don't know why spending money on marketing is important. What would you say? Um, oh, easy. Here's the thing. Um, and poets understand this and writers understand this, that 
it is always the most important thing that people latch onto is not necessarily the product itself, but the possibilities of what that product will do for them. Okay, mm. that's branding rule number one. Once you understand the concept of the fact that they don't get attached to the product, but we, but the product, what the product, but they have to be able Function. to envision mm-hmm. what the product will do for them. Um, well, then you create the story, right? Every single, if you ever watch any Apple um, iPhone commercial, they're always telling you a story. And because what happens is then you then picture yourself in that story and you're like, that's why I need that phone, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the phone and the features that's selling you. It's the possibilities of what the features are going to do for you, whether that's video, photo, whether it's texting, whatever. It's always telling a story. Every commercial you see is telling a story. So whenever you brand always have a story to tell so that your product, your brand or whatever it is you're selling is, um, is giving, is showing people why they need you or why they want your product. You can't just be like, yo, yeah, but it's dope. Like, okay. You know, that's why there's products out there that are just clever, whatever, that are really, really smart products. But guess what? They just end up on, you know, infomercials or whatever, like, you know, because it's just like, okay, yeah, that makes life easier. Yeah, sure. But I don't know why I want that, you know? Um, But if you sell a story, then people will buy into it. Like there's not one product right now that's really, really popular that there wasn't a story that was behind it that they used to market it. So they need to focus their attention on figuring out what their product is and telling the story of what that product can do for their customers. Without that, I mean, you, you can't, you can't move forward in branding because you don't know what you're branding. You don't know how to brand it. Um, a cool logo mm-hmm. is a cool logo, but you need to establish those things first, you know? And so when people see my website and they see my Instagram or they see, you know, I did that all strategically so that pe- one people, it's easy to find me online. And when they do find me and they see what I do, they're like, man, there's something here. It's so cohesive and put together. And then they listen to the poems, like there's a story here. And suddenly they can see why they need me at their, at their university or why they need to book me to write this next um, poem or whatever. Um, You know, create the story, create the story, put your focus on that. You know, I mean, yeah, there's other things like R and D, make sure that your product is good. It's not going to, you know, malfunction on people or that you have your show tight and good that when they bring you, um, to perform for them, that you're, you're locked in, um, that you're a professional. Those are important things. Um, you know, but a lot of times, a lot of these companies, when I used to work in design fully, design and marketing was the first thing to go whenever there were budget cuts. And I would be like, why? Uh-huh. Yeah. Why? You know, well, we can't really afford to market. I'm like, well, you can't afford to market. Now you just have a product that nobody knows about. And nobody to sell it to. Yeah. Exactly. So marketing should always be number one because that's what, I mean, you could, I mean, you're better off over marketing and now you can't fulfill the orders and you're back ordered versus you have so much inventory and nobody even knows what to, you know, no one knows about it. Right. So. Yeah. Marketing and is I everything. think I've talked about um, in previous episodes, like every year when I'm figuring out my budget and I'm like, who needs to be paid? I like start with marketing. <laughs> I start with Asia, start with my video guy. I'm like, because we have to have a face to show mm-hmm. 
the world. Do we have to face have to have a face to show somebody when they search for Atlanta area poets or when they search for um, black femme poets? You know, it's like the Internet. You're always on display, which um, Ian and I talked about earlier. You're always on display. So having that front face and making sure it's clean is so, so important. And so, Asia, I wanted to have this conversation about your slashes. And I'm so glad that it kind of we ended up going there because you're a poet, you're a photographer, you're a designer, you do your own video, you're a leather craftsman. How do you cultivate all of these identities? How do I mean, for you're fascinating to me because you are always, you always seem to be having fun and you always seem to be like <laughs> figuring something out. And I, oh. I love that. So how did you like come into that and, and cultivate that freedom? It's hella fun because like, man, I can die one day and be like, oh, I tried all, I, I get interested in a lot of things. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. People, you know, people are like, you're into all this, this stuff. How? And I'm like, because at the end of the day, I really just have a story to tell. And I'm just looking for the best medium to tell that story. That's it. Mm. It's as simple as that. So sometimes I see something, I need to tell the story, but a poem ain't going to cut it, but a photograph will, you know, and then I, I want to tell this other story, but a photograph won't cut it, but film will. And sometimes that won't cut it or, you know, the leather crafting stuff, that's just, that's, um, I love doing leather crafting just because that's my... I'm creating something, but I'm just, it's more like uh, the old lady that knits type of thing. So it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like, I just like doing it just because it's calming, right? So I can think of other ideas, like big ideas while I'm doing leather crafting because it's kind of somewhat mindless, but also challenging enough. You got to figure stuff out. So that's, all, that's the only reason why I do that. And that really just stemmed from when I was releasing my, my album Touch years ago, I wanted to give out a, um, a special edition one that was wrapped in leather. And so I asked a friend of mine who did leather crafting. He's like, uh, you can learn that yourself. You know, it's not hard. You're looking, you're looking for just a pocket, right? I'm like, yeah. And then he showed me some YouTube videos. I'm like, all right. So I bought some material, tried it, turned out okay. Turned out pretty good, but I was just like, oh, this is fun. And I'm like, well, what else can I make? And I was like, mm. you know, I want to make a, I want to make a, a wallet that functions the way I want it to, or I want to make a, a laptop case that functions the way I want it to. And then that's just how it grew. And then I just started putting it online and people would order, but that's not really like the bread and butter per se. All the other stuff. I mean, I just love media. I love media and I love um, words. I love stories more than anything. And stories are just so, I mean, I can remember even since I was a kid, I was always telling stories, whether it's jokes that I heard or whether it's a funny story or whether it's just a cra scary stories. I, you know, I was always telling stories. And so I just love to be able to create um, things that will tell, help me tell those stories. So, yeah, I don't really when people ask me, I'm like, what are you? I'm like, I'm not a I'm not a poet. I don't think I'm a designer uh, or an artist. I consider myself more creator slash storyteller. And then within that are those other slashes we talked about. Mm -hmm. And so talk to me because you had a campaign. Um, was it Bring Back Your Slash? Yeah. What was that campaign about? So, you know, um, my, there's a poem that I have, um, you know, the Button Poetry had put up uh, called um, Slash. And it's basically about how I, you know, when I was born, I had, well, when I was young, I had all these uh, dreams of wanting to do this or that. Um, and then as I grew older, well, a lot of us, when we grow older, we kind of lose that slash because the world tells us we can't do that, you know, um, you know, so like 
I know so many Filipinos. Well, I don't know why I say Filipinos just now, but that's just because I grew up with a lot of Filipinos. But I would know like a lot of Filipinos who like, oh man, I really want to do this. I want to, I want to be a break dancer. I want to be, you know, uh, I want to be, I want to get into uh, import car racing or whatever. And then years later, I'm like, hey, so are you still racing cars? Like, no, man, I'm, I'm in nursing school right now. And I'm like, wait, what? I thought you didn't even like medical field. He goes, yeah, but you know, it's stable and. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, if you were to ask yourself that five, 10 years ago, you would have given anything to race cars, right? Or fix up cars, or you would have given anything to be touring this, touring the world and dancing, you know? And what, you know, why, how did you end up in nursing? You know, like, well, you know, my parents, they want me to do this and that. And, and somewhere along the way, we lose those slashes of what we wanted to be. And to me, it was like, bring it back. Like, what is it you want to be? And it may not be what you wanted when you were younger. Things change. I mean, obviously, I can no longer be, you know, part, I, I can no longer be a professional ping pong player, right? Um, you know, and why? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just brought that up. I mean, okay, Ashley, if you think I should still try to join the, N- the NFL, okay, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you're going to hear in the news. Um, It'll be like Asian, Asian poet. <laughs> now, now a paraplegic. <laughs> like, um, Lord have mercy. Why did I say that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, Asia did go. Well, at least he went and tried it. <laughs> you know, um, obviously reality, there's reality, right? Like, you know, and you have to know what you're capable of. You can't fool yourself and be like, I'm going to be this. And you're, and you're, you're not even that good. And, you're not willing. Yeah. Well, not saying that you're not good because you can still get good. It's just so that yeah. how much are you work are you willing to put in to be that thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. But we work. Sometimes people work so hard at being the thing they didn't want to be when they could have put that same energy into being who they should mm. be. And mm. so I live by that. Mm-hmm. And I and I live by it now too. Um, yeah. I was stuck for a minute, and it was funny. I got stuck once I activated poetry as my full-time or like a full-time creative business. Then I was like, okay, I'm a poet. And then I was like, but hey, like you like philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> you got a whole degree in it. So maybe you don't just have to sit that down. Right. You know, you can activate these other parts of yourself. And now, you know, I've added producer to my slash because I watched you do it and I realized that, you know, I had a knack for it. And so it is a principle that I take. And if you're listening to this, I hope you take that with you, that you find your slash and that you bring it back, really, because you've always probably had things like I meet people all the time. who's like, I used to be a poet. And I thought I wanted to be a poet one day. And I'm like, well, just pick up your pen and write. I mean, <laughs> I just do do the thing. Mm-hmm. I um, what I loved uh, seeing in you lately, too. I have loved seeing these different facets that you've been putting into your into your uh, plethora of interests. Um, like I've seen you. I've seen you like, hey, I need a logo for this. And I'm like, well, this day you were asking for a logo for, uh, you know, your baking company. And then now you're asking <laughs> for a logo for your philosophy co- media company. And I'm just like, that makes me proud, you know, um, because it's like there are so many ways to tell a story. There are so many ways yes. to, um, I hate to say make a living, but there's so many different things about us, um, you know, 
I, I watched this uh, this one man show. If you ever get a chance to, um, I just watched it the other day. Um, I was turned on to it, and it's called uh, "In and of Itself." It's on Hulu, um, and it's mm. about identity. And dude, it shook me to the core. And he was like, "You know, I am what you see, but I am also I am also made up of all the things none of you see." And for some mm. reason, that just like I don't know why that hit me because it was like you know what, there are so many things that people don't know about me just by looking, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's so many other things that I love and, you know, figuring out what that is, is, you know, it's it's fun. That's the fun part is getting into something you didn't think you'd get into, then you get into it and so, you know, right? You know, what's weird, Ash, is one thing you did not mention <laughs> on on my <laughs> intro. So I started an overlanding channel right? And overlanding is basically camping with a vehicle, right? And so we hook up our our, our, our vehicles for camping and all this stuff. And I started I a YouTube, that. huh? I forgot. I forgot like you're a gadget guy. Yeah. So, so, but here's the thing. My, I started this YouTube channel, I don't know, maybe six months ago. Ash, it grew to one point, uh, 1,600 followers already. And I'm like, it's, it's quick. It's like quickly, like, going to overtake poetry. Like, I don't know how to, you know, I'm not making any money from it, but God is fun. I mean, well, no, I actually, I am making money from it because now I'm getting enough views where I can do ads and all this stuff. I'm like, this is actually pretty dope. And I have like a Patreon for it and everything. And no one knows about it in the poetry world. So there's like these two different lives that I'm leading that I'm like, you know, but I'm having a blast because I'm I'm using that time to spend with family. I'm using, you know, the overlanding and camping thing to be out in nature and kind of explore the world. And um, yeah, there's just so many things that I love getting into, and it's exciting. And and I, I you know how people crave to travel the world because they can't sit still in one place. Well, I can't sit still in in one endeavor like mm-hmm. for too long. I think that's just a mark of an Aquarius. I, mean, I always remember, huh? Maybe, huh? Yeah, I always remember when I'm doing like 20 things. I, I just think of Oprah. And I'm like, Oprah has a talk show, a magazine, Super Soul right. Sunday, cooking shows, you know, et yeah. cetera. I'm like, she is. And when you, and when, <laughs> like, I, obviously, there's people out here like us. And when you look back at your life, Ash, when you look back, at all the things that you got into, you're going to see a portfolio of work that even if you think they're so different and apart from each other, they are still undeniably you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think about like Leonardo da Vinci, we know him for his paintings, but if you look at, you know, he was also an inventor. He was also all these other things. And when you look at his body of work, you're like, that's, you know, that's da Vinci, you know? Um, yes. Because... He was into all these things, but you know, at the time, that's why I say never. I always listen to, to to Bruce Lee when it comes to that stuff. Like, you know, don't don't conform to one style. You know, be like water, be like everything, and then you know, don't worry about because people, even poetry, right? People get so caught up in just writing one particular kind of poem, one subject matter, because they're afraid. They're like, well, that's not really my niche. I'm I'm not really a comic poet. I'm like, you need to have range. Go write a fun poem that makes people laugh. Go write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, go write a poem about this or that. Have fun with it. And then when you look back at all your work, it's still you. Because people get caught up in style. Like, well, it doesn't fit my style. No, if it comes from you, when you look back later as a whole, it's still your style. There, there are paintings by Pablo Picasso that look nothing like the Picasso we know. 
and yet it's mm-hmm. still undeniably him. You know. Yes. So I, I yes. that's how I that's how I always look at it. When you look at Oprah, yeah. You know, all of her brands, all of her product is still, even if it's not something that you would think she would produce, it's still very Oprah, you know? Yep. It's still the way that she would do that. And we have to detach ourselves from those expectations, even of ourselves. Yep. And then you brand it correctly. That, that's it. No stopping you. You just got to know how to brand it to sell it correctly. That's all. Yep. And to to tell the story. Absolutely. And so Asia, as a Filipino American poet, obviously the world has been a difficult place to be for a lot of us. How have you found solace and and power in your art and your various arts? Um, Well, I mean, I did just do a poem about um, uh, the, the, the stop Asian hate thing. Um, uh, I I don't know. It's never really solace in my art. Is, I've never I've, not, I've never been that guy who found solace in my art in that sense. If I'm being real, like it's not like oh my god, I'm hurt. I'm going to create art. Like I, you know, for some people, yeah, it's very healing. Um, that's just not it for me. For me, it's more introspection. Um, when I go through these type of things. I mean, I guess you could find you could say that art is a, art can help distract me from what's happening in the world, and and it's something that I you know that's the thing about art is it's the one thing you have control over when you're in a world that you can't seem to control, right? So, I mean, I guess yeah, that mm-hmm. is. Hmm. You might have just made me think about something that I didn't think about before. So, art maybe is solace for me. <laughs> I've always said it wasn't, you know, but now that I look at it, I mean, yeah, if you look at it in that way, where it helps distract me from the world and it's something that I can control versus a world that I can't, then yeah, then maybe it is in that sense, my solace. Yeah. I think it's that it's because I can narrate my own story despite how Mm -hmm. the world is kind of crappy, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And we get to tell it ourselves. Yeah. That's what I like about it. And I'm just, uh, and I'm really right now, I just spend a lot of my days, um, Practicing my wushu and my kung fu in the event that somebody tries to jump me, I'll know what to do. Good for you. I, yeah. Good for you. I have a hidden samurai sword um, in my trench coat and um, some Turn ninja up. stars, you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, ninja. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to cut somebody. They try to hit me. I'm Let just me kidding. Let me know when you finish, Asia. Oh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you wish you had known before becoming a creative entrepreneur? What should I have known? Um, you know, I wish I would have known. Uh, I don't know. No, there's not nothing I wish I didn't know because everything that has everything is going to teach you something and it's going to make it better. Um, I wish. Okay, I wish I would have known how to do media like film and stuff. Uh, or what trends, or what online trends were going to be around mm-hmm. and how to use mm-hmm. them way before it became saturated. Like had I known the power of YouTube from the get-go, I would have been one of the first people to be, you know, YouTubing stuff and would have gotten viral over and over and over again, you know. But I, I at the time, it was just kind of like, well, I'm not really, you know, I don't know what these guys are doing. I didn't even have the equipment to really film anything and phones sucked back then. So. Um, if I had known those type of things, and yeah, I could have built up my online presence like a lot earlier. Um, but, you know, had I known, I wish I would have known that eventually, from back from Deaf, Deaf Poetry days, we were all trying to get on Def Jam. And then eventually, 
there's this whole this whole DIY movement where it's like you can film your own videos, you can mm-hmm. create, and then you can have an audience. You know, we couldn't back then. You were begging to be on someone's show so you so that they can you can be seen by their audience. Now, you want an audience, you can have an audience. Everyone, you know, yeah. TikTok has made people famous. You know, yeah. Um, and even now to this day, I still don't have TikTok. You know. And I'm probably going to look back in five years and like, I should have been doing TikTok. But it was just, there's just so much to manage now that I'm just like, I don't know. I'm trying to manage Instagram and YouTube. And, you know, I, I'm barely on Twitter and Facebook and now Patreon. And I'm like, okay, I don't want another one where I'm trying to add content to. It's just a lot. You know, there's so much. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and I people think are like adding TikTok and it's, it's I'm like, do I really want to do this? Yeah. And people are like, oh, are you not on Clubhouse? And I'm just like, oh my God, what what else is going to come up now? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by so much out there. I mean, <laughs> perfect example, right before this call, I'm like, is it Zoom? No, Zencaster. What is this? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like, God. You know I mean? How many, how many, you know, like these kind of platforms have popped up since COVID, right? Like, you wouldn't even have known about Zoom. And then well, I, you do a little bit and then COVID hit. And then suddenly everyone knows about Zoom. You know, I should have bought stock in Zoom, you know? Um, yeah, it's those type of Yeah, just- same. Oh, I wish I'd bought stock in Zoom. And even closed captioning companies now are coming up. I've been kind of watching those. And I'm like, why yeah. did I think of that? I know. I try to buy some Bitcoin and I'm losing right now. Like, what am oh, I doing? Oh, yeah, Bitcoin. We, I, I think there'll be another one, but I don't have the patience for it and <laughs> I don't have the stomach for it sometimes. <laughs> so Asia, um, Modern Philosophy, we have decided to start opening up the, the form as a the microphone to flip it to a stage after the podcast. Would you like to share a poem for the people? Um, Sure. I mean, is there a poem? You know what? Yeah. In matter of fact, I think I have a poem that um, it's one of my, fa- it's my favorite poem right now, uh, where a lot of people are not really, I haven't really seen like an overall, like, oh my God, that was the illest, you know, where you're getting all this. But for some reason it means the most to me. And sometimes our favorite poems are not the ones that like everybody vibes to. Do you have those? Mm-hmm. Do you have any of those? Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause I know your poems, but do you have any poems <laughs> that you don't ever share on stage, but you just love, but then you shared it a couple times and it didn't really vibe, but yet for some reason you still believe in it. Yep. I do have those. Um, a lot of them are haiku or shorter form poems, but I do have those poems where I'm like, you wrote that. And although you may not put it in every stage performance, like that's a really dope. Yeah. And so, so this is one of those that I wrote. Um, and it actually goes in line with this, uh, with this podcast and everything that we've been talking about um, in that um, at the end of the day, you know, when you, when I first started, I really wanted to be big in this thing. And I really, you know, especially you get on Def Jam and I'm thinking afterwards, I'm going to get millions of followers on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and you know, that didn't happen, you know, and then, mm-hmm. you know, I, we, I hoped that I would, you know, I mean, I did get a career, but at the end of the day, I thought it would be like bigger than that. And, and then, you know, and then cancer happened and then my wife had, you know, the miscarriages she had. And then, then we had a kid, but then our kid, um, you know, has had his own issues as well, being born with neurofibromatosis and, um, all these challenges that comes with that. And, uh, you know, 
And then at the end of the day, you start to realize what's really important because fame and money and all this. People always say to me, like, oh, Asia, you're so successful. You, you did so much in poetry and you made a living. I'm like, yeah, cool. But, you know, money is fleeting. And you know mm-hmm. that. You know this, too. Like, colleges would be, you'd be killing it one year. And then next yep. year, you're like, the next year you'll be where like, the I hell are my page? <laughs> yeah, I need a job. <laughs> and then the next year after that, it picks up again. And I'm like, it's a hustle. And people think that it's not like people that people like glorify what we do, you know, they want it for themselves. And you have to tell them, you know, you may not necessarily want you. You have to have a stomach for what we do. Like you really do, because you're going to have to hear rejection a lot. You have to fail a lot. You're going to have to um, wonder why the cheaper poet got booked over you a lot. Um, Yeah. You know, and you wonder why a school who brought you every year all of a sudden no longer is bringing you and they're bringing someone else now. And you're like, you know, what did I do? You know, Um, yeah. So I I wrote this because I realized that all those things are fleeting. Um, But what's not fleeting are the people that will always be behind you. Like with you, especially if you ever stop doing poetry and you've, you know, or you weren't doing what you're doing anymore, I'd still be there for you. You know what I mean? Like, you're still my homegirl. Like you need something, I got you. You know, like it's 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 not. It's more than an admiration thing now. You know, it's and those are those are the the relationships you have to cultivate, and those are the the legacies you have to leave behind. And that's kind of where th- this poem came from. So, yeah. So do you want me to do that or? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> yes, please. I'm in. I'm ready. So after my sister died, my siblings and I had this morbid joke about what we would want written on our tombstones. I told him I wanted mine to say, thank you for visiting, now please stop standing on my nuts. Not once, (laughs) between the sick laughter in our teeth, did it occur to any of us. We don't write our own tombstones. Now if the thought of that doesn't scare you, then clearly you haven't thought about the jury responsible for yours, our lovers, our family and friends, or God forbid our children, because those fuckers have more evidence to judge us than anyone. And you're saying that doesn't scare you to death. You don't turn ghost at the thought that there are people out there who could see right through you. Relax. No one is paying good money to the chisel to remind us you were kind of a dick. Even killers are Mm -hmm. buried and forgotten in unmarked graves. I am not afraid to be forgotten. I am more afraid my grave will be a monument to a man I never actually became. This embellished Mm -hmm. lie planted above my casket forever to hang over my head. But had you asked me back then, I would have said, carve me legend. Carve me saddle on my high horse. Carve all my accolades around the base. Might want to spring for the whole mausoleum to make it all fit if you know what I'm saying. But I've since racked up too much mileage on this tongue. From all the years spent running my mouth and I've since found out that the choir that sings your praises can quickly become the choir that will tear down your pulpit for the materials to build your cross. I know I'm no Jesus. Most times, it's my own God complex that has even my loved ones staring me down with a handful of nails. I'm pretty sure they can't wait to hammer into my ankles if it'll keep me from constantly putting my foot in my mouth. Now, if I could just manage to mortician the ego out, then maybe my open casket won't look so grotesque. We all want to put our best face forward. It's just most times, our best face forward has us turning our backs to those responsible for collecting our bones. There's a reason Mm -hmm. resumes are not carved on tombstones. There's a reason Mm -hmm. my son can't quote a lick of any of my poems, but word for word recite every one of my bedtime stories that has made him laugh. I remind myself that to water where the grass grows, 
because the worst blow anyone could deliver to a writer like me is a tombstone with something so cliche like loving husband and father just to take up the space of having nothing else better to say. Nothing is worse than being forgotten than being remembered but unforgiven. It's why this poem mm. is now in its 50th revision, rewriting and rewriting until I have a story where I don't end up the bad guy because sometimes the bad guys are the ones with the best intentions but became too obsessed trying to control what their tombstone will say. I don't ever want to win this life like that. I want to be one of the good guys to finish last. I want to be so far back on my final lap that by the time I cross the finish line, the balloons are gone. The music has stopped. The crowd has dispersed. And the only ones left to cheer me on are those that taught me compassion, taught me decency, taught me humility, and just maybe I'll make them proud enough to tell the chisel to tell the tombstone he was a good man. Yeah, that's it. As simple as that might be. I just really want my tombstone to say he was a good man. Now please stop standing on his nut. <laughs> That's it. Woo! Thank you so much, Asia. Um, as much as I hate to give you any credit. For <laughs> you have to end it like that. You have to. That is the only way. Me and you go rag on each other all like, like yeah, you're all right. Oh my God. Like, you know, it's funny though. We do this to each other, but really like you're one of the people like, blade sharpens blade right mm -hmm. seriously i i tr i mean yeah i don't want to give you your props either but legit i look up to you and i'm so proud that we are friends so proud thank you so much asia me too i learn i mean you've been one of my mentors one of my best teachers in this game called life and in my career as a poet yeah i'm and, grateful for you and in and in, in scarf dancing right and and we're back again, everybody. <laughs> and that was short-lived. But thank you so much, Asia. Thank you for all of your insight, for your modern philosophy on what it means to be, be a creative, live a creative life, and to bring your slash back. Thank you for that brilliant work. Where can people find you? Uh, TheAsiaProject.com. That's The Asia Project. Um, not The Asian Project. If you go to TheAsianProject.com, it's a website that sells bowls and noodles. That is not me. Um, and I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I just don't want people to think, oh, he has that hustle too. No, I'm like, seriously, that's not me. Um, theasiaproject.com. Um, from there, it'll lead you to all of our online stuff. Uh, you can stream my music, Spotify, YouTube, uh, on Spotify, Amazon, um, you know, Apple Music. And, you know, there's also links there for our YouTube channel and as well as all my social media stuff is on there. My tour dates are on there. So just go on there and uh, you'll get everything you need to know. Well, you all make sure you follow Asia. Catch Asia at theasiaproject.com. Make sure you book Asia. Um, make sure you follow Asia's creative pages. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Modern Philosophy Podcast. The song of the week is the Rough Riders Anthem by the late DMX. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in to Modern Philosophy, where together we are learning better, doing better, and being better. I'll see y'all next time. Mm -hmm.